Power of Food podcast. We are so excited to bring you evidence-based nutrition information focusing on addressing the root cause for imbalance. Food has the power to help you achieve lifelong optimal health without the side effects of prescription medication. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or any other podcast platform. I am Stacy Seslowski, Functional Nutrition Registered Dietitian. And I am Leah Grace Barrick, Functional Nutritionist. Hey everyone, welcome to the Power of Food podcast. We've got a special guest today, Maria Timothu. Maria is a registered dietitian and gut health specialist. After working in clinical nutrition for 15 years, Maria discovered her calling after a long struggle with IBS, developing a phobia of food and reaching a complete life burnout. Frustrated by the lack of support from doctors, she decided to dive deep into the world of gut health and learn how to fundamentally strengthen and rebalance the gut with a plant-based diet, fermented foods, stress management, and creating healthy habits. Now, with zero food intolerances or fear a meal will ruin a social event, she's gained a deeper appreciation for the power of food and self-care, and a passion to empower women to take a mind-body approach for gut healing by expanding and diversifying their diets with gut-nourishing foods, incorporating mindful and intuitive eating tips, and establishing a healthy daily routine. Welcome to the Power of Food, Maria. Thank you. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Well, we're so happy to have you on. Really excited for this topic. Gut health is one of my personal favorites. I know Stacy loves gut health too. Yes. It's so, so, so important <laughs> for everything. So we're excited to dive deep into it with you today. And I would love for you to start by just telling our listeners a little bit about your background and how you got into this topic, what sparked your interest. I know you've had a personal journey with it. So let's yeah. just start from there. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, I've been in a clinical registered dietitian for 15 years, which I can't even believe I'm saying that now. Um, but in the past four years, I specialized in IBS. And the way that I got into that was really because of my own personal experience and journey with it. Um, I had really bad gut health. I had chronic bloating, gas, constipation, and I developed this really like big fear around food and social events because I started associating food with a lot of pain and just a completely like ruined night and so uncomfortable. And I was actually being managed like through doctors and specialists and they geared me towards um, the low FODMAP diet and just pretty much said like, you know, well, you just have IBS, you know, it's really no big deal you know, the best thing you could do is avoid foods that you are sensitive to, you know, and try and figure it out that way. And as time went on, I started to realize that different areas of my life that were never an issue before started becoming a little bit problematic. Like I had a lot of food intolerances. There were like minimal foods that I could tolerate. Um, I ended up on anti-anxiety medication, antidepressants, um, and I think really like the tipping point for me was when I got diagnosed with pelvic floor dysfunction, which if you think gas and constipation is bad with IBS, like pelvic floor dysfunction is a completely different animal. Basically my muscles and nerves weren't coordinating properly. So when I wanted to go to the bathroom rather than relax my muscles, I was constricting and tightening up so I couldn't go at all. Now, I don't have kids. I never went through like any type of a surgery or trauma. So when I asked the doctors, like, how did I even end up with this? They correlated it really to having 
a history of chronic constipation where I was straining a lot. I spent a lot of time in the bathroom and I also had, I was like, I had so many years of being in chronic stress Mm -hmm. and always being in this fight or flight mode. And we know now through things like the gut brain axes that this actually stops your digestion. So even when I was feeling better and I was like a little bit more relaxed, my body just couldn't switch over. So I got into the specialization that I am now really because my goal is to help other people who are going through similar things that I went through, be able to navigate IBS in a much better way, um, really understand also the importance of finding out the root cause of why they have it. Because even though it may not seem like a big deal now where doctors tell you that there's nothing, you know, serious, you know, it could turn into something serious if you don't under, un, if you don't address the underlying causes of it. So that's how I kind of ended up here. I love what I do. I love the fact that people are becoming more excited to learn about it and they're starting to make all of the connections with gut health in different areas of their life. So here I am. Well, thank you for that background. It's very interesting and it really does, um, you know, it, it makes sense. Like, I, I think you're absolutely right that, you know, the, all of these systems are connected. And even the fact that like you ended up on anti-anxiety medication because yeah. you had a gut issue, like yeah. those things are connected and like the bacteria in our gut, they're responsible for most of our mood. And, yeah. you know, I really think that we, we have to start opening our minds to all of these things as connected and the whole body, you know, it being a whole system. Yeah. Can you kind of walk us through, like you mentioned there's, you know, we need to find the root cause, like why, where does this issue initiate and, but how does a person who like, you know, figure this out? Like how, where, where are some of the first steps that you even take to help a person figure out the root cause to their IBS? Yeah. Well, first, I think most of us tend to go to like a, a primary care doctor and a gastroenterologist and they will do testing on us. You know, they, they'll do a colonoscopy. They'll rule out anything that's structurally wrong. They'll do blood tests to rule out celiac disease or some underlying like cancer, God forbid. But the most important thing is do not accept IBS as a final diagnosis. IBS is given to somebody when a doctor has done some like preliminary blood work and they don't see anything wrong. And they're like, okay, don't see anything wrong. You must not have anything. And that's really not the case. Working with somebody that's a little bit more um, versed in what some root causes for IBS is, whether it's a dietitian, whether it's a functional medicine doctor, is really kind of like where you need to just kind of take it a step further. So possible root causes for IBS is um, something called visceral hypersensitivity. There's six that we'll go over really quickly, but visceral hypersensitivity is basically when you have a dysfunction in your nervous system, and it could also be caused by stress or dysfunction in the gut and the brain. And what this really means is that you have a lower threshold to completely normal things that are going on in the body that somebody without it would completely not even notice it. Another reason is something called dysbiosis. Um, This is when you have an imbalance of good bacteria versus bad bacteria in the gut. And this could be caused from something like 
not having enough of the good bacteria, not having the right strains of bacteria that you need. And it gives way for the bad ones to become a little bit more predominant. And that's really what's linked to things like IBS and inflammation and all of that. So causes for that are something like being on antibiotics, whether it's just recently or having like a very in-depth in-depth history of it, like I did, like I was always on antibiotics when I was a kid because I always had strep throat. Um, things like restrictive dieting, like low fiber diets, high sugar diets, they feed the really bad bacteria. So those are some causes. Another reason is leaky gut. Um, leaky gut is when we start to see problems occurring outside of the gut. So a lot of people may find that they have some food allergies and sensitivities. They may complain about um, headaches or migraines, any type of like a brain fog, difficulty concentrating. We may see some skin issues starting to rise. So those are all signs kind of pointing towards leaky gut. And um, you can do testing for it to see if you do have that. They have blood tests that or, or stool tests that can measure the zonulin in leaky gut. Um, another cause is having something like an underlying infection. We know that something like SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, is very correlated to IBS. And it's also very treatable. There is uh, medication that you can take. There are some things that you can do to help resolve it. But then the, finally, the big one, the one that I'm really like attached to is having a dysfunction in your gut and your brain. Now, there is a lot to learn about this and why this is connected to IBS. But what we do know is that the two are very connected. They're connected physically through the vagus nerve. They're connected through neurotransmitters, either through the immune system, the endocrine system, and also the gut microbes. So they're talking to your brain on how it should react, whether it's influencing the mood and your brain is talking to your gut microbes on how they should react. So anytime you see a dysfunction in one, there's a dysfunction in the other. So unfortunately, I, I feel like more conventional doctors, whether it's because they don't have the means to do the additional testing that is needed, or they just don't believe in it, or, or you know, because they weren't taught it in school, just kind of aren't going that extra mile. But if you're working with somebody that is really specialized in IBS, they will be gearing you towards the right direction to find out what exactly your cause may be. Amazing. Thank you for going into that, because I think a lot of people are so frustrated, understandably, by, you know, having all these signs and symptoms. They go to their doctor and the doctor, you know, runs a test, as you said, and they basically like throw their hands in the air and they're like, you just have IBS, like yeah. go along with your life. And yeah. And unfortunately, that's just like not serving these people at all because they're not getting any relief. And like to deal with this is just making, you know, your life miserable pretty much. So to know, first of all, like what the root cause is and to know that like there are things you can do, which like I have a lot of clients come to me who are like, yeah, I just have IBS. It's just like part of like how I have to like move through the world. And it's like, no, there's so much you can do, which I do want to get yeah. into. But that is something that's like so frustrating for me because, you know, all of us, I know we you know, like there are so many tools that you can have in your toolbox to help people feel better and, you know, just like function better in every sphere of their life, like not just their gut function, but their brain function too, and their mood and their energy yeah. and their inflammation, all these other things that are so interconnected. So like the diagnosis of IBS is just so like non-serving people. So I'm glad we went into that. And it's, it's great that you focus on that gut brain connection because it is something that is so 
critical. And I feel like we're all kind of in a bubble because like we know this and we're like, oh, of course. Like, but then like you talk to someone who's not in the functional medicine realm or the nutrition realm and they're like, what are you talking about? Like my food doesn't impact my like mood and like vice versa. So um, I think we have a long ways to go in spreading that information out there as well. So that's awesome that you really focus on that with clients. Um, And I would love for you to just chat a little bit about like, what is the difference? So let's say someone is diagnosed with IBS. What is the difference between like a conventional approach to that versus more of like a functional medicine approach and how those two things differ? So like what makes someone experience if they, you know, go to a functional medicine doc and, you know, or a nutritionist or whatever it is versus like if they're just, you know, diagnosed with IBS in a conventional setting? Unfortunately, I feel like the more conventional approach is really based on symptom control. And I remember being in my doctor's office and they really just kind of like immediately go for with IBS because things like bloating and gas are overlapped with very like serious life-threatening situations like cancer and things like that, or um, Crohn's disease, you know, things that really need attention. Once they rule that out, they're kind of like, okay, it's a symptom based treatment plan for you. So they will focus on diet. They will recommend you do like a probiotic, you know, and just manage your symptoms. When you go to somebody like a functional doctor, they're going to look under the hood. They're going to be more root cause treatment where they're going to say like, do we need to do GI map testing? Do we need to look at the balance of your good bacteria versus your bad bacteria? Do we need to see if there is like a parasite in there? Do we need to see if you are somebody that is sensitive to gluten and is, you know, one of those people that are releasing zonulin? So they go the extra mile, I think, to get more to like the root cause to help you, whereas a conventional doctor is a lot more symptom based because I think they really do think that it's not that big of a deal. You know, my my doctor literally told me great news. All you have is IBS, you know, and he was like, unfortunately, you know, some people just have this, you know, although although I never had it when I was a child, you know. Um, He was like, some people just have this and you could try your best to just manage your symptoms. And he sent me on my way and that was it. A functional doctor is really going to just dive a lot deeper. They're going to look at a lot more steps because essentially what your body is doing is they're sending you out early signals. It's a blessing in disguise, like food sensitivities, gas, constipation. Those are signs that there is something up. And just because it didn't come up with a colonoscopy or blood work doesn't mean that there isn't something deeper that you need to go more in depth to to uncover. And that's really what I find the difference to be. Um, And as a registered dietitian, I have to say, it took me a very long time to get to that point because in school, I was just taught, you know, the conventional way, you know, and, and this type of testing. And for a while, I believe that all of this stuff was kind of like wishy-washy. But going through it myself and really just kind of listening to my body, trying some some things, stepping outside of like what I was normally taught, like I see that there is a lot of truth to it. And conventional doctors and functional doctors can work together, I think, to make it a really great picture. But unfortunately, there's just a disconnect between the two of them right now. The best thing you could do is really listen to yourself. And if something is not working, try something different. 
Yeah. What I love the best most about what you just said is that like we our body is and our symptoms that we experience is the best tool that we have, the best indicator that something is off. I yeah. always tell people like the blood work is like sometimes the last thing to show right. anything. Like let's listen to your body first when it's giving you these signs so that your blood work never has to catch up, you know? Yeah. Like these are the that this is the best way for you to prevent anything from getting worse and i i get so frustrated when i hear my patients tell me oh the doctor said everything looks good and everything is normal but i'm like in pain every day you know and i'm just like i know i know and i'm in the same boat as you too because i'm also a registered dietitian and what we learned in school is yeah. just not you know it's not adequate um unfortunately and i feel like even to this day i mean i i'm with you. I was trained about 20 years ago. And, um, you know, I don't really think that the education has changed since I learned, you know, since I was in school, um, which yeah. is really, really unfortunate. Can we dive into the aspect that you mentioned between the gut brain connection? So when let's say you, you know, that is the root cause for this person that you're working with, what are some of the strategies that you use to sort of solve or, you know, relieve those issues? Yeah. So this is like one of like my main focuses when I work with clients. Self-care is so underrated. And what I find best to really help with, so a really underlying cause between the gut and the brain is this whether if you're you're experiencing like a fight or flight mode or if you're in a rest and digest state. So when you're in this fight or flight mode, you're under stress and your body cannot really tell the difference between physical stress and emotional stress. It is going to operate in the same pattern. And what that means for somebody with IBS is either your body thinks that you need to like speed things up and maybe you have like diarrhea, you know, because you need to like escape a certain situation or it's going to stop things because you need to escape a certain situation. So it could go either way. So how I deal with it is, unfortunately, we just live in a world today that stress is inevitable. Like whether you are a working mother, whether you're a stay-at-home mother, whether you are, you know, going through a divorce, financial issues, political issues, COVID, there is so much that we don't realize is really causing us stress during the day. And I find the best thing to do is to always be very preventative about it. So I make self-care a priority. It's a non-negotiable that I do every day. And the best time that I find to sort of try and calm, you know, my, my brain down a little bit is in the morning. So for example, like making sleep a priority, making sure I go to bed a little bit earlier so I can get up a little bit earlier so I can have that time before my day starts to do things that just make me feel like it's for me, whether it's meditation, whether it's prayer, whether it's movement, whether it's just enjoying a cup of coffee, you know, listening to a podcast, you know, something that just really feels good for you is, has really, really helped me. I feel like before in the past, I was constantly doing things for other people that there just wasn't any Maria time. So stress was just kind of catching up to me and um, I wasn't really able to get ahead of it. Now that I have it like scheduled into my system and I know that 
no matter what happens during the day, I'm going to have that time for Maria to like prepare myself for it has made a huge, huge difference. And I encourage everybody, like no matter what, everybody has like at least 20 minutes that they can dedicate for just them. Totally. I'm so glad we're on the same page with that. <laughs> stress is like, stress and sleep are the two things where I'm like, yeah. you can't do any, not, no diet, no supplement, no sexy, like functional medicine thing is going to do yeah. anything if you're not sleeping and you're managing stress. And mm-hmm. especially in IBS, as you know, like it's, it's so fundamental. Like I've had clients come to me who are like, yeah, I had IBS all through college. And then I graduated and I was like a hundred percent fine because I was like so stressed <laughs> out in college yeah. that I like didn't even realize at the time. And then afterwards, I just realized like, oh, wow, it was actually the stress that was contributing to that. So it can definitely make a huge, huge difference. So that's awesome that you, you know, you work on that. And it sounds like you work on that with clients and have them prioritize it. And like you said, like everyone has 20 minutes. I know it can feel like scarcity mindset. Like I'm so busy. I have so much going on, but it's like that will just make the rest of your day so much more efficient, so much better, so yeah. much happier. Um, so it is really, really underrated. And and again, just like spreading the message that like your gut and brain is so connected. So if you're stressed out, it's going to pretty much almost directly cause gut issues. Um, so I'd love to hear like, so with IBS, and you mentioned this, I think too, with your doctor, like a lot of times I have people come to me where it's like, okay, I was diagnosed with IBS. My doctor told me to go on a low FODMAP diet and they were like, see you later, right? So then they like come with their list of 10 foods they can eat and you're like, (laughs) okay, wow, (laughs) we need to move on. So like, can you just talk a little bit about, first of all, what the low FODMAP diet is in case our listeners don't know, why it's prescribed in the first place and then like what's so very wrong with how it's currently being prescribed and like how we should change the paradigm on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because when I reached out to you, I said that I wanted to, you know, talk about how the low FODMAP diet and the gluten-free diet completely destroyed my gut health. And I am not against the FODMAP diet. It is a tool that I use with IBS patients, but in the very beginning and in a very like educated manner. So for those who don't know what the FODMAP diet, it is an acronym for carbohydrates or sugars that are not digested by us, but they are very easily digested by good bacteria in the gut. And this is actually a good thing. We, during this breakdown process, they're releasing things like short chain fatty acids, which are very beneficial for us. They help with things like mental health, prevention against chronic diseases, like especially cancers, and even help you to digest and absorb food better. But during this breakdown process, they're also releasing things like gases, and they could also be drawing water into the gut. So drawing water into the gut and gases are two very problematic things for somebody with IBS. So what the acronym stands for is F is for fermentable, this breakdown process by the good bacteria. The O is for oligosaccharides, which includes foods like fructans that are found in gluten-containing foods like wheat and rye and grains. It also includes foods like garlic and onions, legumes, some nuts like pistachios and cashews, chicory, inulin, things like that. Uh, The D is for disaccharides, which is your milk and milk products, including yogurts. Your M is for your monosaccharide group, which is your fruit sugars like sweeteners and some fruits and vegetables, some like honey, high fructose corn syrup, agave. The A just stands for and, and the P is for your polyol group, which is your, um, 
it's actually found either in it's sugar alcohols basically and it's either found in foods that are diet or sugar free like gums candies and snacks but they're also found naturally naturally in plums and dates and figs so the FODMAP diet is broken up into three phases. So the first phase being the elimination phase, where it takes these high and moderate FODMAP groups and it swaps them out for low FODMAPs. The goal of this phase is really just based on symptom control. The second phase is your rechallenging phase, which you start to introduce one FODMAP group at a time, either at a small, moderate and high portion over three days, and the goal here is to see if you show any symptoms at any one of those portion sizes. And then the final phase is your personalization where you start to come up with like a really good understanding of what foods you can tolerate, what portion sizes, and you're able to fit it in well. Now, the benefits to this is that you get great symptom control. Like a lot of people that go on this diet that have IBS report significant improvements in their symptoms. And you start to get like a really good idea of, you know, like what really could cause digestive issues. You know, like I have so many clients that come to me that say, I went gluten-free, I went dairy-free, but I still have symptoms. And then when they find out like how many foods are mixed into everything, they're like, oh, that's why I'm, you know, experiencing all these things. Now the cons to it are that it's highly restrictive. So I just mentioned like a couple of like foods like off the top of my head, but it there's a lot more and you will find that whenever you go out to eat or you go to somebody's house that there's a lot of these foods that are mixed in either to packaged foods or gravies or dressings that you don't really realize that could really be like very sensitive to. So it, it becomes a little bit challenging to feel comfortable to go out and like, you know, be able to enjoy food when you're just like, oh my gosh, they probably have so many FODMAPs in them, I can't eat them. The other problem with it is that they are restrictive in some important nutrients. Calcium is one of them. Protein, when it comes for vegetarians, because a lot, you know, they, they have to eliminate some legumes and beans that are good protein sources for vegetarians and vegans. And the really, really big one is that it's deficient in fiber. And the reason why this becomes problematic and things kind of go wrong is that well, I can tell you from a lot of plants that I've killed in my day that when you remove a food source for something, you're going to kill it off. So when you're taking all of these FODMAPs out that are high in fiber and they're very prebiotic, meaning that they're feeding the good bacteria in your gut, you're not only going to miss out on the fermentation process that you're not going to have that short, short chain fatty acid production, but you're going to run the risk of killing off these really good bacteria and then this leads you to a situation of dysbiosis where you have the bad bacteria become a lot more predominant and they're really correlated with IBS, inflammatory bowel disease, leaky gut, and so on. So where things go wrong in that mix is that I think when doctors, like my doctor, geared me towards the low FODMAP diet, they didn't take into consideration the audience that they're speaking to. So I'm a very typical IBS patient meaning that I'm very type A, I'm very structured, I'm rigid. When you give me something that has given me relief, like the low FODMAP diet that I experienced in the elimination phase, I'm like, oh my gosh, thank God I found some relief. And I'm not going to deviate from it. Like 
the elimination phase is only meant to be followed for two to six weeks. So you avoid having problems like dysbiosis. But you give that to somebody that has anxiety and then tell them that they have to start eating FODMAP foods again. And you're like, that makes no sense. I'm not doing that. I'm scared of that. So you become very boxed into a very restrictive diet. And then that kind of translates into a very restrictive lifestyle because food is such a, it's meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be shared, you know, and when you're constantly being like, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. I can't eat that. You don't realize that you're really boxing yourself into much more than just a restrictive diet. So I think it goes wrong when doctors just kind of like pass off, just do the FODMAP diet, just eliminate these foods because they're obviously fixing you without giving you the proper education of being like, hey, this is only a short time thing. It is a process. You need to move through the process and work with somebody that's going to help you understand why these foods are really so important, but it's just a temporary solution for right now. So I think that's really where things went wrong for me. Like I think like, it wasn't a coincidence that my IBS symptoms started during a very stressful time in my life. But I think going towards the FODMAP diet, where I stayed on the elimination phase for seven years, where it should have been six weeks, that that's the reason why you turned into anxiety, depression, pelvic floor dysfunction, insomnia, like all of those, all of those things. So I wish I knew more at the time. I didn't. I'm human. But all I can do now is try and help others that are in that boat to really educate them and help them along as easy as possible. Yeah, that piece about this is just a temporary diet. And the longer you're on it, the more risks of causing dysbiosis in the gut and worsening your IBS. Because like you said, you're starving really good commensal bacteria in the gut. And those are healthy foods that, that they're eliminating. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, my, my goal and intention with anybody that comes to me already on that diet is like, how quickly can we get off, can we yeah. get off of it, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, well, thank you so much for all of this really valuable information today. I think it for really sure. is so important for people to hear this message that you're sharing. Do you have sort of one takeaway or one piece of instruction that you would give to anybody that is listening and is struggling with IBS? It would be, again, like I said before, I'm going to give you two. Sorry, I'm just going to squeeze this in. But it's going to be do not accept IBS as a final diagnosis. Always dig deeper. There's always a reason. And number two is food is not the issue. Food is meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to nourish you. It's meant to heal you. It does not harm you. And um, just listen to your gut. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Maria. Will you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes. You can find me, um, my Instagram account and my TikTok account is the basic underscore RD. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you guys and see everybody next time. Thank you. Thank you so much, you guys. I really appreciate this and the opportunity. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode helpful, we'd love if you left a rating and review and shared it with someone else who would find it helpful. You can find more information about Leah at gracefunctionalnutrition.com and get in touch with her through email at leah at gracefunctionalnutrition.com or on Instagram at gracefunctionalnutrition. To find more information about Stacy, you can find her at healfromfood.com, email her at stacy at healfromfood or on social media at healfromfood. See you next time.